This is Paladin Financial Talk with Jeff Foley from Paladin Financial. Basically, the more accounts you have, the more opportunities there are for mistakes. So taking control of your assets may help you to avoid some of those common mistakes that investors make. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful solutions to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals, your money, and your plans in perfect harmony. And now, here is Paladin Financial Talk with Jeff Foley. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff Foley with Paladin Financial, and thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Paladin Financial Talk. We've got a great show today. We are going to give an update on the market and how things are going so far this year. Uh, First of all, Tony, how are you, sir? I am fantastic. Uh, fantastic, doing great, had a great week, and you know, I'm really excited because our special guest today, a huge get, a huge get. I'll let you break the surprise to our listeners out there, but uh, love this guy and uh, can't believe you got him to take time out of his busy day and busy week to spend some time with us on the show, but that that alone is well worth the price of admission this week. He likes cookies, so... That was my draw, okay. like a hook. Cookie. <laughs> okay, that's my. There um, you go. Yes, we do have a special guest with us here today, and folks that not only listen to us but watch us have seen him before. We we did a uh, webinar here a few months ago. Lose track of time. I have no idea when that was. Could have been yeah. this year or last year. But uh, Tyler Elligard is one of the portfolio managers at Gradient Investments, and agreed to take some time here today and give us an update on what in the world is going on in the wild world of money and uh, the markets right now. And I'll mention this again later, but this is kind of a precursor. We're going to dive into more of this in detail. We have a webinar coming up on April 25th. So Thursday, April 25th at 11 o'clock. One of Tyler's cohorts, Jeremy Bryan, another portfolio manager with Gradient Investments is going to be doing that webinar with us at Paladin and just dig into where things are going with the market, where they've been, what to expect and get out the, uh, the old crystal ball from the the closet there. So welcome, Tyler. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yes, absolutely. Um, So yeah, we've got four things we're going to talk about as far as what's going on in the the world around us here. But um, yeah, Tony, with your permission, we'll we'll get started. Yeah, let's jump right in. And Tyler, thanks for joining us on the show today. Um, You know, Jeff needs all the help he can get. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He always provides us with a lot of great info, but it's great to have somebody with your background and knowledge uh, of the markets. And it has been a yo-yo. I wasn't just kidding. The markets have been up and down this year. I think we even ended up positive for the first quarter this year, right? Yeah, almost. I mean, quarter isn't quite done yet. Um, (laughs) So we have one more day after today left, but it's it's certainly looking like that. Um, Yeah, we're almost there. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah, the markets have been up and down quite a bit. We'll come back and talk about where we're at in the, for the year. But yeah, I'm hearing this a lot right now. I literally just got off the phone with a, a couple that we work with a moment ago and heard something I'm starting to notice. I've heard this a lot here recently. Tyler, I don't know if you've seen this as well from folks, but a lot of people think the market is down for the year because yeah. we had a wild ride in January, a wild ride in February, <laughs> yeah. and March isn't done yet. Um, so that, that was interesting. Have you been hearing that as well? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, January was off to a, a, a very strong start. Um, but then February was, was a negative month and it's just been this slow grind that we've had for the last month and a half, two months. And so, yeah, I mean, we definitely hear that, 
well, we, you know, we think markets are down this year, but in reality, they're not. I mean, if you look at the S&P, um, I pulled some of these numbers through through about noon our time here, but, um, you know, the S&P is up about 5.6% this year. Um, NASDAQ is actually up much more than that. I mean, the NASDAQ is up 17% this year. Wow. Right. So th- the choppiness just starts to take that wear and tear on people. Um, so that's certainly questions that we've had so far. Um, but yeah, I mean, the markets are, are positive to Tony's point earlier. It, it has certainly been a, a yo-yo type of situation though. Yeah, certainly has. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll dig into, you know, the, um, the banking industry is impacted that some of that to a degree, but, uh, all in all the, the stock market is up. We'll come back and talk about bonds and interest rates here in a little bit, but mm-hmm. I think the, the biggest question we're getting a lot right now, I don't know if you as well, but the banking industry and what yeah. the world's going on there, what happened, what, what do we see occurring there? Yeah. I mean, we, we, do you want to start from point one or, yeah. or just a quick update? Yeah, that would be good. We sent out a, a short, like three minute video to our clients of beginning of last week, I think it was. And just here's what's going on when that first occurred. Yep. But a lot has changed over that period of time. Yeah. So, I mean, you had, you had some banks, um, go into receivership. So Silicon Valley bank and then signature bank. Um, you've heard some concerns about First Republic. Uh, you've had some banks come in for First Republic, offer them billions of dollars in deposits just for safekeeping. Um, but largely, we're not all that concerned about what we'd call contagion effect for these banks. So effectively, what happened was Silicon Valley Bank just mismanaged their risk. Um, so your deposits, as far as cash in a bank, right? You might, you might put a hundred dollars into a bank account. They may go lend some of that out and then they're going to keep some of it on hand in cash, but then they're also going to take some of that remaining money and actually go invest it. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times what these companies will, or what, what these banks will do is they'll invest in us treasury bonds. And so some banks might do, you know, three month treasury bills, six month, one year, and kind of ladder them out because you don't, the bank doesn't know when you're going to take your deposits out, right? Yep. So they have to manage that risk, but they also want to earn money on the money that's in the in the bank, right? So they invested in treasury bonds and take the yield because mm-hmm. then they have to pay you some type of yield in your in your checking account, savings account. It's been largely zero for a long time, yep. but now you're starting to see some offers where it might be quite a bit more. Um, what Silicon Valley did was they took those deposits and invested them into 10, 20, and 30-year treasury bonds. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden, I mean, you remember last year, bonds were down 13% roughly, right? So if if you were in longer dated bonds, and we can get into this in the yields, but if you're invested in even longer dated bonds, you were down probably 20, 25%. Yeah. And that's a problem when you're a bank and you have a lot of those long-term treasury bonds. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'm not going to name names Silicon Valley Bank. (laughs) Yeah. And so Silicon Valley, you know, it's a a tech-oriented or startup-oriented bank, um, and so obviously with the current interest rate environment, not a lot of startups were getting additional funding. And so you had payroll where deposits were, were moving out of their banking system. Um, and so they had to meet those deposits by selling their treasury bonds that they owned at a, at a loss, right? Because they were down 20, 25%. All of a sudden you have this hole in your balance sheet because you have this loss that you've taken. Um, and so what happens with that or what happened with Silicon Valley is that they had to go out to the market to try to recapitalize or, or try to get more cash into their company. 
the the stock market basically said we're not going to take any additional shares that that you're going to sell and all of a sudden depositors at silicon valley bank heard about this started withdrawing more and more of their money and there was a run on that bank mm -hmm. and so before anything happened um i think at one one of the days about 42 billion dollars left silicon valley wow that'll um, leave a mark yeah and so <laughs> if you're if you're trying to meet that with you know treasury bonds that are are no longer priced at the same price that you bought them for um, that causes some issues, and so uh, the the FDIC and, and federal government kind of stepped, Federal Reserve stepped in and and kind of took over that bank to to say no more of this. Yep. So generally speaking, we we think it's relatively contained to those two banks because you know there were very specific situations with Silicon Valley and Signature because Silicon Valley is obviously startups and and tech new tech companies. Signature Bank is more geared towards the cryptocurrencies of the world. So we think it's relatively contained at this point. Okay, good. And the the Fed, we'll talk about interest rates. They potentially added some fuel to the fire uh, to that last week, but yep. so far, so good. So far, so good. Okay. Um, <clears throat> we can touch on that right now if you want, but we can save that for later as yeah, well. Yeah, when we come back to that. But okay. most people, you have, if you have less than $250,000 in the bank, which most people do, yep. You have the FDIC insurance. So thinking this is two levels of protection, you have the assets being greater than the liabilities, presumably for the banks, that's their financials. And then beyond that, you have the FDIC coverage. So if you're a, a big company and you have a hundred million dollars sitting in a bank and it's SVB, you probably want to, you know, you're, you're yeah. moving out of that into something bigger like US Bank where their assets are much bigger than their liabilities. And you feel safer with that. But for most people that have less than 250 in the bank, there's less of a concern there, but something to still be aware of. Yeah. And, and that's something that we've definitely taken a look at across all of our current holdings across our portfolios is to see which banks are, are geared towards more business oriented companies um, and which ones aren't. Mm -hmm. um, and so if you're not a money center bank, like the JP Morgan's Bank of America's uh, you know, your deposits could be at risk right now for the, for the uninsured deposits that are over that 250,000. Um, because if you think of a company, I mean, typical payroll for a company is going to be over $250,000. So to keep that in, in a regional bank that you're concerned about is probably not something that these companies want to do right now. And so they're probably shifting deposits towards, uh, some of those, those larger, uh, very large banks. Okay, good, good. Um, switching gears, going back to talking about the market in general, overall, the quote unquote, the market's up, meaning the, the stock market. And you break that down by different segments of the market. Some are up more than less. Mm -hmm. What's really driving the market right now? And what are the big movers so far this year? And why is that compared to last year? Yeah. So, I mean, there's different ways that, that we can kind of slice and dice the market, uh, to figure out what's working, what isn't, um, and it's actually really interesting right now because what really didn't work last year for the first three months is really working right now, right? So, um, for example, communication services. So this this would include companies like Snapchat. Uh, it includes companies like Meta or Facebook, right? So communications is a broader term. You could consider them tech companies too, but um, from their classification, their communication services. So last year for the first three months of the year, they were down almost 9% for that sector. This year, they're up 18% mm. in that same time period, right? So, and that's a, that's a few different sectors that have been that way. And so, 
um, you know, really what's working is the, the communication services, um, consumer discretionary names. Um, and, and the reason they've been working is largely because they didn't work last year and they did not work very poorly. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you had some of these names down 50, 45, 40% last year. Yikes. So part of it could just be a, a, a rebound trade at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you're also starting to see some rotation into larger cap companies. Um, I mean, large cap this year has outperformed small cap, right? So you're starting to see some of this rotation in sectors and, and kind of more, um, kind of a, what I would consider more of a rebound trade at this point. Um, but that's something that we're, that we're trying to look out for, um, and try to try to manage within our portfolios. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's certainly, um, you know, when I look at some of these numbers, I mean, energy was up 40% last year in the, in the first three months and this year it's down five. Right. So, I mean, there's just some rotation that's happening. Technology was down to start last year and technology is up quite a bit this year. Obviously, NASDAQ, I had mentioned earlier, was up 17%, but the tech sector itself is up 18% or 18.5% so far this year. Um, so I, I think largely it's just a rebound trade at this point. Um, and then also some positioning into, um, you know, more what we would consider recessionary type of names. Mm-hmm. Um, technology certainly is a sector that if you go into recession, people start to look for growth, less cyclical type of areas. Um, and tech is considered one of those, um, or what we would consider less cyclical. Okay. That's good. And one of the things I think we talked about in the last show, Tony, was diversification. We can have expectations on what area the market is going to do better in a given year, but there are always going to be the X factors that pop in. So one of the messages that we share with our clients and you do as well is being diversified in a lot of different areas, taking an appropriate amount of risk. And in some periods of time, one area of the market is going to do better and worse in different yeah. periods. But if you have a, a reasonable plan that will work out over time. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's a very challenging thing to do to, to time the market and say, well, I think technology is going to be the best performer this year up 18%, right? I mean, you just can't predict that after the poor year it had last year. I mean, some of those names people just hated mm-hmm. and it, those companies, people just hated them. And, and so to say that I'm going to go all in in tech and take that risk, you know, it's, it's not something that's worth it. I like to do bizarre analogies. The one that just <laughs> popped into my head is we're, we're getting towards the end of March badness and I got a little cocky this year. I'm not a sport, big sports follower. I don't spend a lot of time with it, but we did a bracket in the office and I had won last year's and I won the Super Bowl, and, you know, on a, on a hot streak, but I ended up last on the the bracket this year, but reminded me Warren Buffett has a, I think he still does the deal where he'll pay a billion dollars to anyone that has a perfect bracket and no one's ever done so. And I think the odds are higher that you would get struck by lightning three times in a day. So think of the, (laughs) you have 64 teams going into March madness, whatever the odds are with that to have a perfect bracket. Well, you compare the market, think of all the, the, factors that play into what the market's going to do. If you can't predict the bracket, you're not going to predict the market necessarily. So that's a great analogy. That was great. great. Gosh, that that is, that is perfect. And, and the, the problem with timing the market in general uh, for anyone is that, uh, when you try to time the market, your emotions will come into play and you may end up making emotional decisions and you end up, you know, buying high and selling low. Right. For sure. For sure. Yep. It's, it's very easy to do. 
So there's the stock market. What about inflation is driving a lot of this? It's still on everyone's mind. That's inflation about. for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, inflation is still elevated. Um, the Federal Reserve's target is 2% for inflation. Um, you know, we're at 6% right now. So obviously very elevated. Um, but trending in, in what we would say the right direction, um, we're no longer making new highs in inflation, right? Last year we were topping out at nine, just over 9% for inflation. Um, and that certainly hits consumers pockets. And so we continue to have questions on this, but in the last report, what I thought was really interesting about it was 70% of the month over month change in inflation last month for February was caused by shelter. Okay. What would be some components of the shelter? So the the biggest part of shelter is um, owner's equivalent rent. Okay. And so what that simplistically means is they call and, and do a survey to ask you, how much, Jeff, how much do you think your house, how much do you think you could rent it for? Mm-hmm. And you give them a number. I mean, how, how are you going to know what you're going to rent your house for, yeah. right? It's, it's a, such an old way to do it with all the data that we have now, but they're still using it. Nonetheless, <laughs> it, it, it accounted for 70% of the month over month change in inflation for February. And when we look at housing and, and shelter and the homeowner's equivalent rent, there's a lag effect there. So if you actually look at current rent prices, they're only up about three to 4% on a month over month basis versus what was in the actual inflation report. Mm. And so if you, if you actually take into consideration what's actually happening today versus the lag effect, it's at, inflation would be much lower. Um, I don't have the exact number for you, but um, I, th- I just thought it was a really interesting thing that that shelter or homeowners equivalent rent accounted for about 70% of the month over month change because that means that everything else is largely flat hmm. right and so yeah. if we just if if we just start to see some cracks in 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 the change in the rate of change for housing or shelter in inflation we're going to start to see that normalize over time and so we're not as concerned about the number that happened last month and we actually think inflation will continue to come down we don't think we'll get back to the Federal Reserve's 2% target this year, um, but we do think that we'll get over to the, uh, we'll get we'll get closer to like 35 to 4% this, at, by the end of this year. Wow, that's interesting. And uh, I did not know that. That's a unique way to look at it. You know, this whole discussion uh, just reminds me of a wall of voodoo song from the 80s. Talk about the U.S. inflation. There you go. There you go. From the old Mexican radio song. You guys are probably too oh, young for that one. You're too young for that. I think I have a tattoo with the lyrics here somewhere. <laughs> right. No, we don't want to see it, Jeff. Let's keep talking finance. Oh, uh, hard switch there. Um, yeah, so that's that's encouraging to hear. So the uh, the buns, the hamburger buns, or what are they, hot dog buns, uh, Nikki bought here a week or two ago. They were $8 for a normal pack of hot dog buns. Oh, that you're kidding me. Come down, yeah. Jeff Quick in our office, he came in with a bag of oranges, and they were the, the bigger oranges, whatever those are called, $23 at Costco oh, for a bag of oranges. No. Yeah. See, so. here, here's the one thing I will say about inflation. Um, you know, when you have 2% inflation, that means that prices grew 2% over last year's prices. And then next year, if we have 2% inflation, that means that 
prices grew 2% over this year's prices, right? So, so even that's though, a 4% increase over, you know, yeah, less so than two years. Yeah, so compounds over time. But yeah. when you start to see the 9%, you see this large jump. But when you, even if we say that inflation is going to normalize, it's not like we're saying that it, that prices are going to come down to what they yeah. were two years ago. No. There's prices, we just have to get used to the the new prices and hope that inflation starts to level out at 2%. So we're not getting... <laughs> crushed by these massive Don't price increases. Deflation. Yeah. yeah. No, that, that is a great point is the, the oranges are what they are and, yeah. and more going forward. Unfortunately. And if we see deflation, that actually could be a very bad thing as yeah. well because your house is worth less. Everything yep. you're paid, your, your employer is going to start paying you less Correct. because things are going down. You you want to see healthy, healthy economies have some inflation. Mm-hmm. They don't have five, six, 7% inflation, but they have some um, because that means that your wages grow. It means that your house is is worth more like you had mentioned. So, Yeah, that's good. Good. Uh, what about interest rates? It ties in with this as well. And yeah. What the certainly. Fed is doing to combat inflation. Yeah, well, we just had the Federal Reserve, uh, what was that, last week now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, last week on Wednesday. Uh, they raised their, their policy rate, what we call the federal funds rate. They raised it by 25 basis point or points or uh, 0.25%. Um, there's a little bit of controversy around this one. Um, a few weeks prior to, to all of this banking crisis or banking issues, um, Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell had mentioned that they were considering doing 0.5% increase. Um, and then obviously you had the stress on the banks, uh, you had the inflation number come out and, some people were calling for no rate hikes. Some people were calling for 25 basis points. Um, and in our opinion, we felt that they should have paused. Uh, obviously, there was a lot going on with the stress on the banks, um, some uncertainty there. And so to just continue tightening or, or to continue raising interest rates in this type of environment, we felt was not warranted. Um, so my, my personal take on this is it was more for, for them to save face because they were out talking about you know doing an even greater increase yep. a couple Point weeks five. prior. Yeah, five, yeah so right? I, I think it was uh, uh, the halfway point for them um, to kind of uh, save some face, but but not do the full 50 basis point rate mm-hmm. hike that they were planning. And can you explain briefly what the, the why is the federal funds rate such an important thing in, in our economy and how that leads into Yeah, everything? so it, it's generally the short-term lending rate um, that corporations, banks can can lend at basically or, or borrow at. Um, and what we typically look at, so the Fed funds is important to watch just because it tells you where short-term rates are going. Um, but what we typically look at is, is we look out further on the yield curve for the U.S. treasuries. Um, so we look at the two-year treasury yield, which is still somewhat controlled by expectations for what the Federal Reserve is going to do whether they're going to raise interest rates for, through the federal funds rate or, or cut them or keep them the same. Um, but then we look at more so the 10-year treasury rate because that takes into consideration more market dynamics. Um, and so obviously right now we're in a invert, what we'd call an inverted yield curve. And, and typically when we have this type of scenario, we typically see a recession follow in the near term. Um, so typically a recession follows an inversion six to 18 months after it starts. Um, so June is that 18 month mark actually from when, when the yield curve first inverted. Um, 
And and simply it, what that means is is we expect recession. Uh, we expect shorter term interest rates to be higher than longer term interest rates. So I'll take a step back here and say that in a healthy economy, you'll have the yield curve go up and to the right, right? So the shorter term interest rates might be, you know, down and to the left. The 10-year, 30-year might be up and to the right, right? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And so what that's telling you is that you're in a healthy economy. You're going to have GDP growth plus inflation, some inflation. And so you expect interest rates in, in the long term to be slightly higher than they are today. Mm-hmm. When you have this inversion, it means that you expect interest rates to be lower because you're in an unhealthy economy right now. And so that's what is happening right now where the two-year treasury yields or short-term interest rates are lower than long or higher than long-term interest rates right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that would spell that the market, the economy is, is declining yeah. as when referring to recession. As, We're concerned about mm-hmm. the overall health of our economy right now. We might not have the GDP growth and inflation that we've had Yep. in the past cycle. And we're getting closer to the end of the period where that might be yeah. the case. Okay, yep. good, good. Um, and so far the market has overpowered that that reading, and and uh, yeah. but it's, it's still a possibility. Well, and the other thing I'll say about this is, you know, we hear a lot about the steepest inversion that we've ever seen, right? Just because we're at a steeper inversion or, or a deeper inversion than we've had does not necessarily mean that we're going to be in a deeper recession than we've ever had. Mm-hmm. It just simply means that we feel there's a stronger, the market feels that there's a stronger case for recession given the, the economic data sets that it can look at. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Very good. Um, and yield is a term that you hear a lot on the news. Can you explain, you know, for people listening, what is a what does yield mean when that not, that term is thrown about? What is that referring to? Why is that important? Yeah, yield is just the income that you can derive or, or receive from an investment vehicle. Mm-hmm. So fixed income is the the typical one that you hear yield for. So if you buy a bond, it'll have a yield on it, and that's the income that you'll get per thousand dollars mm-hmm. for that bond so the income divided by the the value of the bonds so if it's a thousand dollar bond that's your denominator and if it's paying four percent four divided by a thousand you've got a four percent yield yeah yep, exactly good um yeah anything else tony you have any comments on yield do you want to I'll yield to the uh, host of the show, oh, Jeff Foley, on that one. Um, but seriously, this is good information. But even with the talk of recession and the inverted yield curve and, and market volatility, we are seeing some positivity there. And maybe the bank crisis is under control. We haven't heard much lately or any other banks So uh, besides the, the four. So the I think the message is don't panic if you have a plan in place and are working with a financial professional, right? Correct. Yeah. It's taking a sensible amount of risk based on your resources and your risk tolerance. A big indicator of how we want to invest things is when do you need the money? If we're drawing down, we're taking income versus letting that build up and uh, just being sensible about things. No one's going to accurately predict what the world's going to do, what the market's going to do. We want to be aware of things, but it comes back to having a sensible plan that you can deal with whatever happens going forward. And uh, yeah, that's how that's how we approach things anyway. Yeah. And Tyler, it was great having you on the show. We're out of time, but Tyler, to make you feel at home... 
I love that. Yeah. No. All right. Happy All to right. your alarm sound yeah, on exactly. your phone. Yeah, yeah. That, that's yeah. how I wake up in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure uh, no, it is. Seriously, I appreciate you guys having me on it. It's a blast. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate you taking some time for our listeners here. And uh, again, I mentioned this at the beginning of the show, but we have our market update webinar coming up on April 25th. And uh, if you don't have an email in your inbox to join us for that, give us a call. You can call us at 651-842-8406 or send us an email at info at financialpaladin.com. And uh, we appreciate you taking time to listen to the show. Also, give us a moment uh, if you're whatever podcast app you're on there, take a moment to lend us your thoughts on the show. We would really appreciate that. Help us uh, expose the show to other people as well. And uh, Tony, have a rest, a great rest of your week. And Tyler, again, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. All right. And that does it for today's episode of Paladin Financial Talk with our host, Jeff Foley. Thank you for listening to Paladin Financial Talk. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound income plan. For more information, please contact Jeff Foley at Paladin Financial. Call 877-219-3199 or visit their website at financialpaladin.com. Advisory services offered through Paladin Wealth LLC, a Minnesota registered investment advisor. Paladin Wealth LLC offers advisory services under the DBA Paladin Financial and Paladin Wealth. Insurance products and services offered through Paladin Insurance LLC. Paladin Wealth LLC and Paladin Insurance LLC are affiliated companies. Jeff Foley and Paladin Financial are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency. All matters discussed during the show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation. This endorsement of Gradient Investments, LLC, is provided by an investment advisor who refers clients to Gradient Investments, LLC. A conflict of interest exists because this investment advisor receives a portion of the annual management fee charged by Gradient Investments, LLC, based on the assets under management of this investment advisor's clients. This endorsement could assist in the investment advisor increasing the assets placed with Gradient Investments, LLC, and therefore their compensation. These investment advisors are not affiliated with or supervised by Gradient Investments, LLC. Endorsing investment advisor is also a client of Gradient Investments, LLC.